whether that's for a buy and hold or for a kind of conversion, before I'm even walking out my door, I have already decided if this is a good buy or not. Best ever listeners, you ready to take your online advertising into the big leagues? Are you ready to get more leads? Well, how about we do all this for free? Yeah, sure, free. Well, it starts out with a free strategy session with Dan Barrett. You recognize his name, episode 565, titled Google AdWords and Cutting Edge Strategies. He's the only certified Google partner agency that works exclusively with real estate investors. That's why I'm talking about him. And he's managed over a million dollars of client spend and scored an 80th percentile for or higher for best practice. Basically, he knows his stuff. And he is offering a free strategy session for one hour to do a deep dive with you and learn about your market and collaboratively come up with an online advertising strategy based on your target audience. And he's offering to do this for the best ever listeners. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. I mentioned free. Well, the strategy session is free. And then you can either take the online advertising strategy that he comes up with on the call and go implement it yourself. There you go. It's free. Or you can have him and his agency do it for you. It's a turnkey solution. And by the way, that likely one that being free too, assuming that you're closing on the leads that he's generating for you as a result of all the efforts. Go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. He's got some amazing stuff. Ask him about the pre-targeting for direct mail lists that he does. It's something unique to their company and it's pretty exciting stuff. He's noticing some tremendous results as a result of doing pre-targeting. So ask him about that. AdWordsNerds.com forward slash Joe. Best ever listeners, welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any fluff with us today. Ricky Beliveau. How you doing, Ricky? Joe, doing well. How are you? I am doing well. Nice to have you on the show. A little bit about Ricky. He is the owner of Volanay Capital. He specializes in both buy and hold as well as condo conversions. He currently has six condo conversions in different stages in and around Boston. And he is from and based in, well, I don't know about you're from, but you're based in Boston, Massachusetts. With that being said, Ricky, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your focus? Sure. As you said, I own Volnay Capital and we're based out of Boston. I started out, I went to Northeastern University and at Northeastern, I actually took a class called Real Estate Finance. And in that class, we had to do a paper on some type of real estate investment. And the property that I chose was actually a multifamily building near the college. And after graduation and looking through the figures and seeing the opportunity there, that's what kind of jumped me into the real estate business by buying my first multifamily in 2010. And from that point forward, I've continued to acquire rental properties. And about three years ago, I made the jump over to the condo conversion side, been doing condo conversions over the past three years mostly centered in East Boston, which is a up-and-covering neighborhood close by to the downtown area. Condo conversions. What do we need to know about condo conversions? The condo conversion market, you're able to create a large amount of value by taking a single property 
and splitting that into three individual units and updating the deeds with the city, and then you're able to sell those off to individual buyers. And by doing that, you're able to, on what would be a single project, you're actually able to create three sales out of that one project. From a fundamental standpoint, that sounds great. You buy one and you get three at the end of it. Tell us one deal that you're working on and the numbers on that deal. The deal that we just finished up, it's actually one of the most successful deals that we've done to date. The acquisition price of the property was for 650000 And at the time, that was about the going rate in the market. It wasn't that I got a great price on it. It was a pretty good deal on the purchase. The renovation cost on that project was 575000 The building was 4,300 square feet, so it's a large property. So that brings the total project cost on that into $1,225,000 for that all-in project cost. And the sellout on that was one point seven, so it left the profit after fees of $447,000. Hmm. How long does that take? We try to turn them around 10 to 12 months. That project actually spread over the year mark. We had some issues when we were trying to get started, so it kind of delayed the beginning of the project, but all in, we were about 13 or 14 months on that project. Mm-hmm. Okay. 14 months worth of work to make about $450,000. Correct. Yep. Cool. Yeah, the ROI on it was around 36.5%. Okay. What are some challenges that came up in that one that made it take longer than what you projected? When we acquired the property, the property was tenanted, which when you're getting in the business of doing kind of conversions and there's tenants in place without leases, you can kind of expect that there might be some issues getting the property, relocate those tenants, find them a new place to live, and then be able to start the project. So that's what happened here. When we acquired the property, one unit was vacant and two units had tenants. We were able to relocate the top floor tenants into a new apartment, but the second floor tenants, we were going back and forth for a few months regarding what their needs were, and I was finally able to relocate them into one of my rental properties around the corner. Just that process delayed us about three to four months. Mm -hmm. How were you able to eventually relocate them? What convinced them to do that? The property they were currently living in, which is the one we wanted to put under construction, their rent was currently $1,200 a month. What we agreed upon to have them move is I was able to lower their rent to $900 a month. And then I also had my guys move them from that property to the other. So with a reduction of rent by $300, as well as me covering moving costs, we were able to finally come to an agreement to have them relocate. What did you propose initially? Initial request that they don't have a lease in place and that they would relocate. In this market, it's tough because as the rents are continuing to rise, a lot of these people are not able to afford in that neighborhood anymore. So it becomes tough for them. So we try to really work with the tenants and find ways to find resolutions instead of having to go to court. So in this case, once we started the negotiation, the first attempt was to just work with them as we had the other unit and find them a place to move and pay for moving costs and pay for their first month's rent. They weren't open to that idea. They were really set in stone that they wanted to stay in that neighborhood, in that area. So as we went back and forth, an opportunity came up that I had just acquired another building that was a block away, and I was able to use that property as an offering and move them over into that building. 
did they ask to have some sort of agreement so their rent wouldn't go from 900 to 1900 after year one? We signed them up on a two-year lease, but we actually backdated with the date because of the four months that they had held up the start of construction. So it ended up being a little bit less. I think we were, instead of at 24, we we're at about 20 months. And so it was a 20-month lease at $900, and then after a year, it went up to 990 So I just was able to build in a 10% increase after year one. After year one. Okay. And if you didn't have them relocating to that unit, how much would it rent for? That was a third floor, three-bed apartment. We probably would have gotten around 16 to 18 It definitely was a financial hit. But when you have approved plans and you're able to start construction on a property that can create the returns that we just discussed, those are small potatoes right. in, in yeah, the long run. No-brainer. You said there was one vacant and two were leased. One was more challenging than the other. They left. Was that the primary reason why it was held up for 14 months? Yeah. That cost us about four months before we could start demo. Mm-hmm. So in the end, the project timeline was still around 10 months. but from demo to completion, we lost four months in negotiations. What do you have to do when you demo? When we started out three years ago, we would be more selective with our demo, right? So we wouldn't get into the property and take everything down to the studs. And we realized to create the quality product that we want to and build the reputation that we have, you really have to start from scratch. So Demo days takes us about two to three weeks to demo a property, and that we'll send in a team of guys, and they will take it all the way down to the studs and remove everything, and we'll start from scratch. So you're basically building from the ground up, but you have the framework or the studs there. Exactly. Keeping the exterior skeleton of the property and then rebuilding from there. So you do the demolition, and then what part of the process tends to go or is more likely to go over budget than others? At the beginning, we were seeing more items going over budget than we are now. I think the recommendation I would make is to really know the numbers and to negotiate the prices up front. So when you're getting into one of these projects, you are, we sub out everything. So it's all subbed out. We hire a GC firm to handle the project, and then the GC firm hires all the subs. So before a project even demos, we've already negotiated the majority of the expenses of the project are already locked in with those subs. And the fact that we've done so many now and that we have these long-standing relationships and that they know that it's consistent work, we're able to see those numbers come in much closer to budget than we did when we were first starting. So I think it's having clear budgets up front with these contractors and with the subs is very important. And you talked through at the beginning of the high-level summary of doing condo conversions, so creating a large amount of value by splitting them into, in your case, three units, one unit from one to three, updating the deeds with the city, and then selling to individual buyers. Can you elaborate more on the splitting it into three individual units? Like, Just kind of explain how the thought process works for someone like myself who hasn't done this. The actual process of making the switch from a single property into three condos, it really would depend on your state and also on your city. Using Boston for an example, the process is we work directly with our attorney as well as our architect. So those are the two parties that are really involved. 
from the architect standpoint, they need to redraw up the documents to submit to the city that will show now what the assessment should be for each unit. So now the city needs to know when they're looking at this property now, what is the size and ownership of each unit? They require an architect to do that section of it, where then they stamp that and they submit that. The second part is with the attorney. So the attorney takes that information, and then they're going to compile that along with the condo documents. So those are documents that guidelines that are set up on behalf of the association showing the rules and regulations of the building you're creating. That's all put together and then submitted to the city. So it's really a team effort. You need an attorney involved and you'll need an architect involved. Where do you spend most of the time managing? Is it the demo, the architecture process, or the attorney process? For our condo conversions, I think the most involvement I would have is with the architect. That's just because we need to meet at the property and he needs to take exact measurements of the whole space. So we would walk through the property and go through everything and make sure that we're properly calculating the unit square footage, which is also very important to me on my sellout side that I want to ensure that we're properly calculating that my buyers are getting the square footage that is actually is there and that they're not paying for something that's not correct. So I would say working with the architect on his end. How much does that cost? On a project like that, we build it into the original budget for the architect. So the same architect who does our plans from start to finish, as well as code review and all that, he builds it into his budget. I think it's around 2500 to 3000 for his time that he spends on the condo document side. Do you engage either one, the attorney and the architect, before having the property under contract just to have an idea of what the business plan is and that it is something you can execute on? At this stage, now that I have more experience with these properties, I'm comfortable in making the decision without my architect involved. When I was first getting started, I would try to have him come with me to a showing that I thought was a great opportunity or if I saw a property and I wanted to get his opinion on it, I would try to have them meet me there as well as my contractor. But now that over the years that I've been doing this, I'm much more comfortable in making those decisions on my own. So now the process is, is once I get a building under agreement, I'll then immediately schedule a time for both my GC and my architect to meet me at the property as soon as possible to start the process of getting the budget together from my GC and then for my architect get the plan started for the project. With the process of updating the deeds with the city, what type of challenges have you come across that it's probably, I suspect, unique to Boston, but maybe some aspects of it can be applied towards other markets? Right. In the Boston market, it's actually pretty clear cut. There's a standard process that's followed, and you're able to do this conversion. I'd say that one thing that your listeners should definitely look into is if they are going to get into one of these projects is to speak to an attorney before you begin or even before you acquire a property with the hopes of doing a kind of conversion. Each market is different. I've talked to investors in other markets where the process is not as easy as it is in Boston. So you want to make sure to speak to an attorney and get that information up front before you're midway through a project and then you're having an attorney tell you that that property is not conduable. I would say do the legwork up front and have those conversations. How do you find the right attorney and architect for this? 
It's a great question. So I preach to everyone I talk to that networking and relationships is what really makes this business. I try to spend as much time as I can every week meeting with people and networking. And that's the only way you can really know that someone is the right contact is if someone can vouch for them that you really trust. So a mentor of mine introduced me to my attorney, my architect I played soccer with in college. So almost everyone in my business that I work with is connected to me in some way and closely in my network. Mm -hmm. You didn't do a Google search. No, no Google searches. <laughs> if someone doesn't have those connections, do you have any suggestions, maybe certain traits or qualifications that your team members have that you would look for if you had to start over in a different city? The first person I would go to is I would go to a real estate agents, right? If you reach out to a real estate agent who has a large number of listings, or you can pull the data that they've been successful and that they were one of the top agents in that market, you can then go to them, take them out to lunch, and try to ask them to open up their network to you. And what you're offering to them, always a back and forth, is that you're saying, hi, I'm new to this market, I'm new to this business, and I want you to be my agent. I've done my legwork, I've looked into you as an agent. If you commit to them that you're going to bring them business, they'll then open up the doors to other individuals who could help you out. And obviously, since it's a not a direct connection, you're going to want to do some more legwork before hiring an architect or an attorney. But I think that if you can find someone and get references and it's someone who's very successful in your area, you can't beat that. And so that's what would be my recommendation. And that's what I would do. If you plopped me into Cincinnati and I had to compete with you, I'd go out and find the top real estate agent on the block. I would never compete with you in condo conversions. <laughs> All right, you win. You win. Mercy, mercy. Ricky, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? I would say know the numbers. I think that in real estate now, it comes down to the Excel file. I look at a property and the first thing I do is I sit down at my computer and I run the numbers, whether that's for a buy and hold or for a kind of conversion. Before I'm even walking out my door, I have already decided if this is a good buy or not. Obviously, things can come up when you get into the property, but you can know by, I'd say, 95% if that's going to be a purchase you're going to make before you leave your computer. What that's are the main inputs? From a condo conversion standpoint, I'm looking at the building square footage. Because the most important thing from my standpoint is I'm looking at what on my sellable square footage. So I know that I can sell those condos for a certain price per foot. And when I look at a building, if, say, the building's only 1,500 square feet, I know that when I make it into condos, I'm going to lose common area. There's going to be very small sellout on that because the units are very small. So I'm going to look at the property. I'm going to say, all right, what's the total building area? Usually you can say about 85% is what you'll be able to sell. So usually about 15% is a good guesstimate of common area. So you do 85% of the total square footage. That will give you the sellable square footage. And then since I have a really good grasp on my market, which is also important, is like knowing where you're going to invest, I can then take that square footage and I know that what it costs me to build with that square footage for my construction costs. I also know what I can sell it at with those numbers. So before I even go see this property, I have a spreadsheet that's already built out with my profitability. When I get to the property, there could be things that come up, foundation issues, things that could make me adjust my sheet. But those are all items I'm able to enter in before I even leave my computer. What does it cost to build? 
right now we're running our numbers for gut renovation at around $150 a foot. It ranges. Sometimes we're under that, sometimes it goes a little over that, but in Boston, that's kind of the calculation we're using to see if a project is feasible or not. And what's it selling for? Right now in East Boston, the prices have really rose. And I mean, now we're in the high fives, into the low sixes per foot. High 500s? Correct, yeah. A property that's closing May 1st, I think the average sellout was 573 a foot. And then the only other factor is the cost of acquisition when you factor in the cost, right? Yeah, there's acquisition, then there's the other soft cost. So there's the carrying on the interest, the insurance, attorney's fees. So that 150 is just the cost that would actually go towards the construction of it. Mm-hmm. There's still the other soft cost that would need to be added in. Okay. And is there a rough percentage that you use for that? No, I build those out in my analysis. So I look at the acquisition price. I know what rates I'm getting from my lender. And so I'm able to build that out. I use a 12-month timeline to give myself a buffer so that I know where my interest will be if it does take me 12 months. It's always better to overestimate these numbers and then in the end come back extremely happy with your results than underestimate and then end up losing money. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. (laughs) All right, let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Got your free strategy session to generate online leads yet? Well, if not, go to adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Dan Barrett's going to give you a concrete online advertising strategy by the end of the conversation. You can choose to implement it yourself or you can work with this team and they'll implement it for you. Adwordsnerds.com forward slash Joe. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com. Ricky, what's the best ever book you've read? Not a big book guy. But lately, I have been really enjoying the How I Built This podcast that came out. So that's been really enjoyable the past few months. That's a book or a podcast? Podcast. Okay, it's a podcast on how he or she built the podcast. No, no. How I Built This is a podcast. It's like interviews industry leaders, uh, Mark Cuban and founders of Instagram, for example, about how they got started and how they built their business and kind of the complications that they had to get to where they are and It really relates to real estate. We're all looking to build these businesses, build our real estate empires or companies. And listening to these really successful people tell their story, it really translates to the real estate business. Best ever deal you've done? We already ran through my last condo conversion, but it's actually the first building I ever purchased. I currently own it today. It's my largest rental property. My purchase price was $930,000 and just reappraised for $2.2 million. That was your first purchase? Correct. Wow. How'd you get the funds for that on your first buy? I used FHA owner-occupant. And in Massachusetts at the time, the max loan you could get was $816,000 for FHA. And then actually that was using the paper that I had wrote. I went to my mother who had just inherited some money. And I asked her if she would invest in the property with me. Mm. So she gifted me $160,000 to get me started on that first property. 
And that was a single family home? No, it's a three family property. Three family. So when I purchased it, it was a nine bed, three bath. And then I lived in one of the units and I got my hands dirty and renovated it and turned it into a 12 bed, six bath. <laughs> of um, course you did. I <laughs> was able to really drive up the rents and then drive up the value. And it also, I bought it in the perfect time. Boston in 2010 had really plateaued. From 2007, 2010, it had almost been dead even. And then right in 2010 is when the market started to explode and it hasn't stopped since. Best ever way you like to give back? Right now, I'm a member of the Venture Mentoring Network at Northeastern. So what that is, is it's startups and college students who have ideas that are trying to start their businesses. So right now, I'm mentoring a bunch of college students trying to help them get their businesses going. What's a mistake you've made on a deal? When thinking back, one mistake I made from the start was that I tried to self-manage my rental portfolio. I think that you can't really deliver the high level of service that these tenants need when you're doing it on your own, at least from my standpoint. And so I quickly realized that it was a mistake that I was trying to do that on my own. And I was able to correct that by hiring a management company to take over that for me. And where can the best ever listeners get in touch with you? You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Volney Capital. And you can also find me on my website, volneycapital.com. And I recommend, best ever listeners, go check out Ricky's website, volneycapital.com. It's got pictures of the condo conversions. It's pretty cool. Really enjoyed this conversation on condo conversions and other deals, but really we focus on condo conversions. The challenges that we might come across, definitely red flag if tenants are there. There likely will be issues, so it's not a deal breaker, but just expect for there to be issues. And then knowing your numbers, talking through how you calculate the back of napkin math, and then you have your financial model. So obviously you go in much more detail, but during our conversation, you gave really good high-level back of napkin approach for how to evaluate deals. So thanks so much for being on the show, Ricky. I hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Joe, thanks a lot. This has been great. Ready to enter the minds of successful entrepreneurs and millionaires? Are you ready to excel in your entrepreneurial and investing journey? The new podcast, Before the Millions, studies phenomenal entrepreneurs and their path to millions. Journey through exclusive interviews, giving you all the secrets to mimic their successes. Listen and subscribe to Before the Millions podcast at beforethemillions.com. That's beforethemillions.com.